3: Today is International Women's Day. It is a day across media organizations, publications, talking about women, celebrating women, all the great things about women. So I decided to bring together some of my favorite women, my actual group chat come to life. I'm Stephanie Rule, MSNBC anchor, NBC News senior correspondent, and this is Modern Rules, a podcast from NBC Think and iHeartRadio. I just want to introduce everyone to start, Hillary Rosen, one of the most extraordinary voices of influence in crisis management, PR, as well as a CNN contributor, Amanda Katz, who was most recently with CNN in their investigations team. She is currently the author of an intriguing substack known as The Interpreter. I highly recommend it. Tammy Haddad, veteran TV superstar from both CNN and NBC. She is now a media consultant. And Kara Swisha host of not one, but two podcasts, Sway and Pivot. Thank you all so much for being here. You are my group chat. I, as a rule, do not have group chats. I find them to be uh, too risky, too dangerous, because I don't necessarily trust or know everyone on it, as Heidi Cruz learned from hers. But I want to talk to you all about how important it is in life as women, professional women, to have sort of this, not official women's network, but to have real women friends. Hillary, I turn to you first. I mean, I think it's in
4: a, in a way it's everything, right? Because particularly this past year, I've noticed and Amanda's actually written about this. I noticed that there's so many moments where, you know, I lived inside my head because I was isolated and I wasn't in my regular life. And having the outlet of, you know, the um, five of you to, to, talk to on the phone, on, you know, on chat. It, it, I actually don't know that I could have gotten through this year without you guys. Um, that just amplifies everything that I've experienced in my professional life. This year was sort of the culmination of that.
3: Amanda, when we hear people talk about girlfriends, they often think like a coffee clutch, a mom's group, gossiping, but how much of an impact does it have on your life professionally to have this group of brutally honest women who also love and care about your success professionally?
5: That's a good question. I think that you guys actually are um, kinder than you are brutally honest. I don't feel like the function of the group chat is to like, you know, truly call you out. Except when it
4: comes to my love life, you guys are all brutal.
5: (laughs) (laughs) To me it's been very very welcome. I mean as as Hillary was just saying this has been a really challenging year I think in terms of lack of access to friends. For me I compounded that by moving to a new city right at the start of the pandemic. I also have a small baby last summer I left my job that I've been in for several years and the combination of those things has made it like more important than ever to have these kinds of connections. You know, I will say like when I hear the word girlfriends I of course, you know, I think of something a little more romantic just because of where I'm coming from. And, you know, my other group chats are uh, pretty co-ed, actually. This is, I think, the only one that I can think of that's all women. But um there's something about women who are really looking out for each other and have each other's best interests at heart and also have a sense of humor, also are there to debate and discuss and gossip and can move from the light to the serious seamlessly. I think that is such an important thing right now. And especially when I'm not seeing those people in person as I haven't for the last year, you know, with few exceptions, it's felt really critical to have that outlet.
3: Tammy, talk about what a change we've seen. Think about the beginning of your career. I remember for me, when I started in investment banking, there was no women's mafia. In fact, there were so few women. It was much more like I had to scratch and climb my way here. You know, good luck. You you find your way on your own. It has changed so much at this point that if you're not a woman who stands with other women, you're the outsider.
6: Yeah, I do think that's changed and just even having that many women in the room. But you know, this is all very lofty talk. I miss seeing all of you and the horrified look on your face when we talk about someone or something. This is so great that we can see each other, Stephanie, because this is what we're missing in real life. Like, did that person actually do that? Did this person that I've worked with for 20 years actually say that in the call? Has everyone gone crazy? Has this pandemic really tipped us over? And it's such a reminder that just being able to tell your friends about it and bounce it off them and think about things a different way. You know, I think people are interested in other opinions. And look at all of us here, even though you guys are usually wrong and I am right, Karen Swisher. <laughs> Okay. Whatever. I just like the the visceral sharing of all the good and all the bad, and to be able to run things by my friends to make sure I haven't gone stark raving mad. Kara,
3: for someone who doesn't know you, they might not know that you have an informal women's network, a mafia behind you that stands behind you, that talks you through things. I mean, you're a very outspoken, independent person, and I'm not sure an outsider would know you've got a group chat. Chatting you up every day.
7: Yes, I do, but I have a lot of group chats that you don't know about, and they're very (laughs)
4: oh, oh, get her off the podcast.
7: I actually do i have very different group chats for different things and so um i i think it's important to have to like have it like when something happens and you want a quick reaction depending so i'm really interested in this idea of how through the pandemic like this idea of what will stick and what won't but this idea of reaching out to people that isn't analog which has been happening past two decades but where does it evolve to so you see like the clubhouse, which is, I think I'm trying to figure out what's right about it. And actually this idea of being alone and then being able to reach out and just listen to people talk. It's not unlike talk radio. It's not unlike group chats or something like that is a really interesting one. And and so I think text plays into that because you can do them quickly. It's not Twitter where you just have 900 people responding to you.
4: But I don't, I don't think that's what this is. I mean, all of that's performative, you know, clubhouse and people on most of it on Twitter, they are They're all speaking to an audience that they're not selecting, that they're, you know, they're trying to present themselves to the world. And I I do think, despite Kara's desperate desire never to need anyone or demonstrate that no person that she's talking to is the most important person (laughs) in her life, which is why she disses us, even to our face. The group chat that we have, and, you know, we obviously all have other friends, but there's something about uh, dear friends and, and Take who will call you on your sh- who will hold up a mirror while they still are the most supportive people in the world and rooting for your success. And I think that you hear it differently. Like we're all, you know, public people and we're all subject to, to criticism. And I think when you hear critique and engagement from somebody you really trust, like I trust you guys, I listen to it differently. And I think that that's a hallmark really of kind of the connection.
6: What's funny that we should know more about our group, Stephanie. We'll text each other, people will respond, and then it gets to the point that somebody calls someone else and then we're all on the phone, right? Correct. It's the tipping point that you have to get the person on the phone.
3: When all of a sudden we're like, what did you just say? Yeah, it's usually for clarification of extremely offensive content.
7: Which is always from you.
3: I have a slightly offensive, maybe unpopular opinion, but I, I do... It's a red flag for me in terms of never trust a woman who doesn't have girlfriends, because I think who you surround yourself, your girlfriends do make you better and smarter. Is that, in your opinion, Amanda, an important thing? Especially when it goes directly back to what Hillary was saying. When you think about people's public actions or hubris, it often makes me think, where's that person's girlfriend? Where's their mother? Where's their sister? Where's someone shaking them saying, this is a terrible move. What are you thinking?
5: I would say more broadly that people need friends. I guess for me, you know, some of my closest friends are guys and both gay and straight men. That's just always been true in my life that I have a lot of friends who are women and a lot of friends who are men. You know, So for whatever reason, that hasn't been true for me so much that it's just been a kind of like mainly female group of people who are my support system You know, I I think that friends are critical. I mean, this came up a lot during the Trump presidency when clearly he had a lot of acquaintances, but you never really had the sense of him having a lot of friends. And that in this way that was very um, concerning. It was one of the things that made Trump feel very alien, I think, to a lot of people, is that he seemed to have a lot of like business associates, but not friends. Or people who work for him.
3: I guess maybe I say girlfriends, because for me personally, while I have men and women friends, Men don't come to me unsolicited and say, that was a bad move. That was the wrong thing you said. My women friends do that for me.
5: Do you trust women more when they say that? Whereas men won't say that to you at all? Or you if they did say it, you would be concerned about what their motives were?
3: Uh, a man would say it to me if I asked him, but a woman would say it to me unsolicited because she'd risk putting herself out there. A real friend will risk Hurting you, hurting your feelings, hurting their relationship with you by telling you the truth. I have that with women. I don't have that with men.
6: I have a ton of men friends too. Apparently, Amanda and I win on that score. Not that this group is competitive at all. But anyway, I don't think I have one group chat. You know, more than two people with men. Does anyone else?
5: I do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, is
6: that business or personal?
3: Personal. personal. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do not. I have a lot of one-on-one, but no group.
7: Kara? Um, that is a thing. There's a whole idea of girlfriends. And, you know, someone we do talk about on our group, Cheryl Sandberg, and a lot of the stuff like that, she used to have these dinners in Silicon Valley that were all women that were at her house and, and they'd have a guest in and stuff like that. And at the time she was trying to promote the idea that there weren't networks of women. And these, these were work events because a lot of men have these work events naturally. Um, so she was trying to promote work events. What I have seen a lot more of is women doing more by themselves in a network point of view and helping each other in a network point of view than ever before. That's something that's really shifted, I think, a lot more that there's individualized networks of women. I think about, and this isn't like a group chat, but like Melinda Gates and Mackenzie Scott and some others and Lorraine Jobs are all giving money to women venture capitalists, for example, like right now, because they want to promote a lot of different things, whatever they're trying to do.
6: That would
4: be a pretty funny
7: group chat. of the three I know.
6: <laughs> and can I just say, Carol, when you were doing Code and we were yes. all there, we would yeah. have a dinner that Hillary hosted. Yes, exactly. I was just going to mention another. Yeah. And it was women and there's real bonding. And it, I'm sorry, it doesn't take place the same way with men.
7: I do think men don't volunteer it because some men are, of course, nervous to like, you know, there's very few men. Maybe Scott Galloway would tell you, for example, what he really thinks. He does, doesn't he? Yes, he does. But he's like a girlfriend, right? I think men feel nervous about saying something to you that would be helpful to you be nervous to do so these days I think in a lot of ways or are not used to having that kind of friendship relationships. I think that tends to be harder and then so you end up not confiding in them as much I guess.
4: And and that's I think the the very point which is we all have an obligation in our profession to engage men to be thoughtful, to be good colleagues, to the extent that we're talking about feeding our own soul, we have the obligation to figure out who feeds our soul. Like we don't have to raise up men to do that if we're not Amanda and have those, you know, fuzzy men in our life already. So yes, of course, there's, you know, great men out there, but you know, I stretch to say that women have a different kind of communication when it's just women.
5: And so a different kind of lived experience that women have, you know, so that there's certain kinds of things that are similar, both personally and I think professionally, like there's certain bullshit that you deal with as a woman that other women also deal with and that you don't need to explain. Right. And in that sense, I think it's, you know, I feel like I look to women friends less to call me out than to have my back and to... Yeah, you know, help, me, help reassure me that I'm sane. I feel like I've spent a lot of time during this COVID pandemic in particular, just telling other women that they're having a hard time because the situation is really hard. People who are struggling with things like their kids' mental health or taking care of their parents and their kids simultaneously and you know, trying to kind of do the impossible. And there's a way that having another woman tell you, you're doing what you can, you're doing the right thing, I've got your back. Call me anytime you need to blow off steam. Like that is that I definitely see women helping each other out that way a lot.
3: We'll be back after the break.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man.
1: And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply.
2: LinkedIn, the place to be to be. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
3: The fact that we all know and have one another is a privilege because, especially in corporate America, over the last 10 or 15 years, you know, they sort of identified the importance of formal women's networks. However, for me, and I'm I'm going to guess all of you here at sort of name your Fortune 500 company or bank and their women's networking events and their conferences. We've all attended them, spoke at them, drank their wine, eaten their cheese. that in and of itself has become sort of a cottage industry that unfortunately becomes a bit of a of a pink ghetto. Mm-hmm. Do you actually think that formal women's networking campaigns and events make more of a difference or actually connecting with individuals, caring about them, right? None of us work together per se. We can't directly day in and day out say, Kara, I'm gonna deliver this thing that's going to help advance you, because when you were talking about these women's networking dinners, they often have formal takeaways and plans. And then they tell, you know, 23 year olds, once you find a sponsor and a mentor, that's your path. What we all have has nothing to do with a formal network. Kara?
7: Right. No, I know. Of course not. We can help each other. I was just talking to someone today in a group chat and they needed help meeting someone. And this was a, a social one. And it, and I just said, oh, I can do this for you. Or I, so no, I think we spent a lot of time gossiping, really. We honestly do. Or there's news stories. We don't have to necessarily say what news stories we like to, like when something happens, like it's usually Stephanie is like, oh my God, essentially. She's like, can you believe this?
3: I mean, I couldn't believe when Heidi Cruz got outed by her group chat. When I think about who's on your group chat,
6: like how would that even happen, Tammy? Yeah, and this is a person that doesn't have power, doesn't have water. And the first thing they do is they're leaking Heidi Cruz's. And then- Who's the photographer that's taking pictures of her poor woman in her bikini with her kids on the beach? Honestly, TMZ has resources everywhere.
7: I think the question in our group chat became who would drop a dime on everybody. And I, we I, think it's, yes,
3: Carolyn. It was you.
4: <laughs> I believe you
7: volunteered. I
4: volunteered. And then we started to worry whether we should kick you out or not. And then something about our group chat got out on Twitter and there was a lot of comment. Here is the
7: deal. If you pulled a Heidi Cruz, I would totally drop a dime on you. Thank you. There you go. You cannot betray the group in with a behavior like that. Thank you.
4: I'm going to take
6: a step back, though, um, and I'm going to disagree a little bit with Stephanie on the whole idea of the pink ghetto, the groups that have formed around women's organizations, news organizations, et cetera. Because at, at first I felt the way you did. And then I went to one. It was one of the fortune women's dinners. Well, Those are very good. They are. And I was sitting with younger people and I thought, you know what's really good about this? They get to see... You know, some of the more older or more successful women and they can model behavior. I am a parent at heart, right? And I feel like, and you guys are great with my kids. Even when Stephanie curses with so much conviction, that teaches my daughter. When you curse, you really curse and you got to use your hands. You got to make it count. Your daughter is so mild-mannered compared to Stephanie. (laughs) Exactly. It's, It's a real opportunity for women to see how other women operate at a high level, and even at like code is another example where you had, Kara had I act like it it'll never happen again, I'm sure it'll come back and we all look forward to it. Why was it so valuable? Because you saw really successful people, you saw people in the middle, you saw people struggling, you saw journalists and everyone was talking to each other and, and even when they didn't want to, right?
4: I think that's true. I also think, though, that the five of us have sort of a little bit of a non-traditional career in that we don't depend on big corporations in that way. We don't have those kind of bosses. We sort of have each developed our own brand, our own actions, our own careers. And I, I think, and to be serious for a second, I do think, yeah, we gossip a lot, but I think there have been multiple times where we've relied on each other to figure out how to define that, what that means, what do we expect of ourselves? What do other people expect of us? And I think that similar to those kinds of sort of corporate outings, um, where they have unique issues, like how do I get to be from a, you know, SVP into the C-suite? We don't have that issue, but we have other issues, right? Um, Whether it's contracts or whether it's colleagues or whatever it is. And so I do think that this kind of, judgment-free support, here's what I did, here's who I talked to, here's the experience I had, let me introduce you to so-and-so. I think that's kind of invaluable. And I, it it is recreating, as Amanda said before, what men have done for centuries. And I don't think we should hide the fact that we do it. I think we should embrace it.
3: Do you think we get judged more for being women? And I turn to you, Amanda, if we were all respective CEOs of different businesses and put all of us, one another, on each other's advisory boards or picked one of us to be the banker for our next deal. That is the way corporate America has worked forever and ever and ever, right? You can track certain guys and they they have huge overlap in all the deals they've ever done, the boards they sit on together. Would there be a whole lot more scrutiny if it were the five of us doing that same thing? That's
5: an interesting question. I mean, I think that, That network does exist to some extent among women, but I think less so because women have less power. I know so many more women who are kind of stuck at the deputy level in whatever situation they're in. You know, I know a lot of women who are working to help each other handle that situation, but I think that there you have fewer situations where it's just a woman who's at the top of the pyramid and can therefore make alliances with other women at the top of the pyramid. You know, right now, there's a big generation of women who've been told that they can have whatever they want and they should be able to get there. And, you know, I know that in my own career, I've had moments where I've had to take a step back to realize that something about what's happening at work actually is sexism, like actually is, you know, I I had a situation happen once and a friend of mine who's a very high level corporate lawyers said, you know, what's happening is you're hitting the glass ceiling. And I just really was startled. You know, i sort of didn't think that that was something that would happen to me. And there are moments that you realize, you know, it's it can be less the glass ceiling than a discomfort with women being in charge or, you know, this idea that men, you know, what's been sort of found in studies is that men are hired on potential and women are hired on accomplishment. And, you know, or the this idea of the glass cliff where women are sent in to clean up other people's messes. Um, so I think, you know, I don't know whether there would be more scrutiny, but I think that it would be a more unusual situation to have like essentially the, you know, see you on the golf links. You know, women women do that for each other, but in some ways without the benefit of as much power as men have on average.
4: I don't, I mean, I think the answer to your question is 100% it would get more scrutiny. Like if women did the same kind of insider back scratching and the like at that financial level 100 percent, it would get more scrutiny now maybe for the oddity of it because it doesn't happen but no question for the keeping us down
6: look at Joanna Coles she's one of how many women that have a SPAC this year or maybe more than one she's gotten so much coverage she's such a competent Executive, she you know ran hers for a long time, but I think
7: more these things are not more about like doing better at work, it's like bouncing ideas off of people. I think that's what's really helpful, and I think we would probably do it a lot more in person, although we all have really busy lives normally, and we don't see each other at events like we used to do or other get togethers and things like that. And so I think it sort of is a pressure valve to me is to like, it makes me laugh. I just laugh when I like get these texts from you all and you know, you go on and on. And so I think there is an element of that. And then if you need a really good piece of advice bouncing off a couple different people because everyone has a different reaction. Often at cross purposes, Hillary has a certain reaction. Tammy does, Amanda does, Stephanie does. And then you can like take a range of ideas or sometimes everyone coalesces around an idea. So it's super helpful you know, to be able to share that. Then
3: I just want to ask, it was interesting to me when Amanda was talking about women sort of capping out at the deputy level or this idea that sometimes we face sexism and don't even realize it. Hillary, when Time's Up was created and the work it's done over the last few years,
4: how much of a game changer has it been compared to any other organized effort? It's, it's changed things on a couple of levels. There's no question that we're making progress in sexual harassment in terms of visibility, uh, call it political correctness if you want to. But, you know, the idea that even Andrew Cuomo, you know, who was an untouchable guy, could be called out for what people perceive to be offensive behavior just a few years ago, I think is Indicative of that. Now, we have some work to do about putting sexual harassment in perspective versus, you know, in terms of the quality of what's worse and what's terrible. And we've all talked about that a lot in this group. But I think that just the resources available for women who feel like they have no place to go and no one is listening, I think, has dramatically changed. I think Time's Up has dramatically changed. There have never been resources before for people to go get lawyers and PR help, et cetera. So I think. That conversation has changed. I think that business in particular, almost every company has now had a different level of engagement and training. And I think the other piece though, and the board of times I've just had this conversation, the sisterhood it created around the women who were involved, continue to be involved and and have grown this organization in a way is um, immeasurable. And I think trying to think about how you promote a sisterhood in multiple places around the country so that people do feel support. You know, this is one of them. that's why I like you calling this podcast matters because people do need that sisterhood. Men's appearance is different than women in almost every part of their life. It doesn't mean that men can't be good or can't relate, but, Giving women permission to have those moments of togetherness where they're finding shared values, where they're fighting for something they've all believed, I think is immeasurably important. And and I do think time's up contributed to that.
3: I didn't have a professional sisterhood in the early days of my career. When I worked in banking, I was definitely a hyper competitive, sharp-elbowed solo operator. And that's a surprise. You're hurtful. You are. Acting hurtful. Um, and I actually think on a flat level, sure, it, it resulted in success or compensation, but it didn't help my career. I actually think it hurt my career and my reputation. Kara, do you think you've always had a professional sisterhood? It wasn't until I was 30, probably I realized the value of it.
7: Oh, that's a good question. I don't I don't know. I don't think of it that way, I guess. I didn't, I just sort of, well, I bulldozed through everything, so I'm not sure.
4: Kara's like, I was always just awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, let's just face it, it's a little easier to get Stephanie's inner um, mush out than it is to get Kara's inner mush out. I don't
7: know. I don't, I don't know. It was interesting because I was at the Washington Post for a lot of my early career. and I did notice that women had a harder time dealing with men, but for some reason they had an easier time dealing with me because I was a lesbian. I don't know what it was, which is interesting when you're in like environments like Silicon Valley, where it's like all men. It was an interesting situation in covering them because it's usually like pretty much your reality all the time. And same thing with you, Stephanie, when you're in banking or whatever, you have the same kind of groups. And so you get kind of used to dealing with that environment and then having to dominate it, actually, having to figure out ways to actually dominate those people and get them uh, to bend to your will, essentially. Um, So you do learn kind of skills. One of the things that was uncomfortable for me, I remember, is when you're gay, for some reason, men think you're not a feminist. You know, and so I would be at some of these venture capital things or tech things and they'd be like, oh, she's good looking, right? And I'm like, what? Like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, "Uh, still a feminist over here. Just FYI. I haven't experienced that, but I do. It's just maybe because I'm just trying to be willfully ignorant about the situation.
4: I think there's something else. And, you know, Karen and I have known each other since we were baby lesbians, like Mm -hmm. 35 years ago or something like that, 40 years ago. I think that the... There's a little bit different when you're gay because you're sort of used to having a double life, and, and at least in those days. I think it's very different now. But we did have a professional life, and then we'd have a separate entire circle of people we could be ourselves with. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something actually that straight women have started to experience later now um, where it's okay. I do have this circle where I let my hair down with. I do have this group. And um, but I I think for us and I I don't want to speak for you, but for me anyway, that was something I was always uh, living with. Amanda. It's interesting. I
5: mean, I think that also when you don't need things, certain things from men, it's very liberating. So, I mean, I like, this is the difference between my being a few years younger than you guys. So I came of age at a point when I never felt like my life was that bifurcated. Um, So I was gay, but I was at work. It wasn't, you know, in my twenties, you know, that did help. I think to some extent, I also worked, you know, it's interesting, Stephanie, you worked in such a male dominated industry in that period of your life too. I was working as a book editor, So I was in a industry that was almost entirely female with a scattering of guys, you know, Um, It was a very, very different kind of composition. And I worked for, you know, particularly badass woman, actually, in my the main job I had in that field. So, you know, I had I had a kind of different experience where right away there was a kind of network of women who looked out for each other and helped hook each other up with things. You know, that idea of being a solo operator wasn't really that rewarding in that context, I think.
3: Well, has that sisterhood changed in media? Then I turn to you, Tammy, because I'll tell you. When I left banking and I moved into media, I remember I just started at Bloomberg, and I was so excited to work with women and have these women girlfriends, and I was super gung-ho, and absolutely nobody was buying what I was selling. Like, no one was looking to be friends with me. That might be the state of the industry now, but that's the past. And going forward... Yes, things can be competitive, but I don't think that's the future. What do you think, Tammy? I don't think it
6: is the future. I mean, you used to have to kill each other to get on TV because there wasn't that much airtime. Now there's massive amounts of airtime, whether it's cable or network. And frankly, you're better off in cable than you are in network because you can't get on the air. I mean, look at ABC News. I mean, when do you get on TV? I mean, a great Good Morning America, This Week, World News. You can't get on there. But it's... You know, this is very competitive, high-level business. And by the way, this is producers too. It's not just talent. You know, you want to win at the highest level. And the truth is that people are not going to stay in one of those four positions anymore. So they have to really find a way to work together and to figure it out. Now, think about when you moved over to NBC from Bloomberg, and there are definitely groups of women And there's definitely this system that exists to try to help you officially and unofficially because NBC was really smart. They have talent relations people. I work with HBO. HBO has an entire talent field in addition to PR and everything else because your success is their success. So it's not individual success anymore. So those kinds of things would never happen today. I give Hillary the last word. How much of a role does
3: having this group chat Girlfriends, how important is it in your life? Well,
4: for me it's everything. And now I've learned that it's not that big a deal for you guys. So I'm like <laughs> <laughs> No, just not for Kara. Yeah. I don't I discount everything Kara says, emotions on air, because even in this environment, Amanda's nodding. Even in this environment, she's gotta play the tough guy. My my last word is you guys have my back. I have yours. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you. And I feel like there's nothing you wouldn't do for me. And there's just not a lot of people in my life that are that way, uh, that I have that experience with. And so Thank you for getting me through this year. And I'm going to kick Kara out of the group chat because I don't want (laughs) to be dimed out for
7: anything. Let me just tell you, if you did a Cancun, that would be that. Let's call that a verb in this group. If you Cancun.
3: If you Cancun, that's when you call your girlfriend and say, I'm picking you up at the airport and you're going to stay with me for a week.
7: We don't have
4: anyone here who would do a Cancun. uh, Well, this goes to, is Heidi Cruz publicly as accountable as her husband is? If it were just Heidi Cruz, would that be a problem if she and her kids were going? Or is it only because it was Ted Cruz? Because
7: he lied about
4: it. I get the Ted Cruz problem, but this was Heidi's friend diming her out.
7: Because Ted Cruz lied about it and said it was another thing. And this proved that it wasn't. That's why. Yeah, but I
3: still wouldn't dime out my girlfriend for her husband doing something terrible. I'd call her on the phone and be like, hey, girl. I'm going to pick you up and we're going to have a drink, maybe even worse. And we're going to talk some truth here. But I would not dime out my girlfriend on my mom chat to the world.
6: All right.
3: We're with you. We agree. Just don't go to Cancun, Stephanie. That's all I got to say. Okay. Luckily, none of us are at risk of that. A group chat is a circle of trust. And if you cannot be trusted, you're out. All right, ladies. Thank you so, so much. I love you. I miss your faces. I can't wait to see you all and eat Hillary's food. We love, love you. you. Thank Stephanie. you, Stephanie. I'm Stephanie Rule, and you're listening to Modern Rules, a podcast from NBC Think, MSNBC, and iHeartRadio. This podcast is hosted by me, Stephanie Rule. Mike Biette and Katrina Norvell are executive producers. Meredith Bennett Smith is senior editor for NBC Think and our editorial lead. The podcast is engineered and edited by Josh Fisher. Additional production support provided by Charles Herman, Rachel Rosenbaum, and Lauren Wynn. And special thanks to Katherine Kim, our global head of digital news right here at NBC News and MSNBC. For more thought-provoking analysis, visit nbcnews.com/think. Live Nation
8: presents Concert Week.